Well, good morning, everyone, and uh, welcome to the JAR. Those of you on the stream, everybody up in the balcony and here on the main floor as well. Uh, I didn't get a chance to say Happy New Year, so uh, Happy New Year to all of you. I hope you've had a good uh, start to the new year. Now, there are 326 million Americans, and 44% of us uh, make a New Year's resolution every year. And so uh, I just thought for a little fun, all of you on the stream, it's more fun. Would you join along? Everyone in the balcony and down here as well. How many of you made a New Year's resolution? Just raise your hand real quick, okay? Keep it up for a second. And then my question is, how many of you have already not followed through on that? Take your hand down, okay? Okay. Uh, 81% of all people by the end of January, they've already thrown it out the window. And uh, I've done that many times myself, so I totally get it. Now, percentage-wise, uh, there are a group of people, though, that they follow through all the way to the end of the year. On December 31st of 2024, this group of people will say, you know what? I actually fulfilled all of that. So I'd like you to turn to the person beside you and guess what that percentage is. Those of you on the stream, type it in real quick. Go ahead. What's that percentage that keep their resolution? All right. Well, the percentage is... 9%. That's it. Only 9% of us ever get to that point of following through. So why is that? Why don't people follow through? What kind of gets in our way? Well, God must have realized that you and I would struggle with things like resolutions and promises and knowing how to have a fresh start within our life. And so he actually gave to us uh, a scripture to help us understand and overcome that struggle. And the scripture we're going to look at today is in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And a guy by the name of Paul writes to a church in Rome of people who had made resolutions, who were making promises, but they weren't following through. And in the midst of this, this is what he writes in verse 1. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, The way that you want to follow through is you offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true worship. Paul says if you want to follow through on your resolutions, if you want to follow through on your promises, the way you do that is you offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Every ounce of your being you give to the things of God. And then he goes on into the next verse, and he says this, Do not conform to the patterns of this world. Folks, if you want to live a life that is fulfilling the resolutions, the promises of your life, the scripture says that you offer everything that you have to God. In this new year, in 2024, I offer myself to that. And he says... If you want to fulfill that, do not conform to the ways of this world. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. Now, 
what does it mean to conform? Well, this is your first fill-in. For those of you on the stream, you can do it on your app. And here it is. To conform simply means to allow the outside to change the inside. The outside actually changes the inside. This is where we allow outside thoughts, outside perspectives, outside voices to actually come and make us change who we think of ourselves, who we think of our identity, and what we truly believe. And Paul is actually writing to this church and he's saying, hey, if you want to live a godly life, if you want to fulfill the promises and resolutions of your life, you've got to be the kind of person who has a resolve to not allow the outside pressures, the outside noise to consume you. So let me ask you, in 2023, what were the outside pressures, the outside voices that made you conform? What are the things that outside of you that caused you to give in to the environment around you? Was there someone in your family? Was it someone at work? Is there something within your own mindset of putting yourself down, kind of a negative self-talk that you've given into and you conformed last year? Uh, There's an animal that is often referred to as something that is a conformer. We have a picture of it up on the side screen, or it'll be on your view here shortly. And what is this animal? What's it called? A chameleon. And what does a chameleon do? A chameleon changes its kind of colors to conform to anything that is around it. And the truth is, is that many times we as human beings, we become chameleons when we are around certain people in certain settings. We actually kind of let them dictate who we are and we fall into it. And it can happen to you when you're in school and you're in high school and there's a crowd and all of a sudden you kind of fit into that because that's what you want to do. And it happens in the workplace as well. And Paul says that isn't true worship. This isn't offering everything that you have to God. You're simply conforming to the people around you. Now, if you want to have a fresh start in 2024 and actually make a significant change all the way through the year, we have to learn what our patterns are, what our healthy patterns are and what our unhealthy patterns are. You see, the truth is every single person in this auditorium and on the stream, you are a part of a family system. And maybe you grew up in a family system that was great and you had a mom and a dad and there was encouragement all the time, but maybe for others of you, it was terrible. You grew up in a a home in which uh, your parents were never together and you were going back and forth to homes. Maybe you were a foster kid and you were multiple different homes. But whatever it was, each of us have a story that's being written about us when we're very young and we have a tendency to allow that pattern to come inside us and to stay there. And many of us, as we get older, we find ourselves recreating the same patterns that we said to ourselves, I'll never do, but we do. 
And years go by, and then there is this generational brokenness that gets passed on from us to our own children as well. And whether we like it or not, folks, that's what's called your legacy. But this year, you have a chance to rewrite your story. You can create a brand new story. You can say, I want a fresh start. I'm going to put a line in the sand. I'm going to do some things differently. I'm going to honor God. I'm going to have true worship, which means I'm not going to conform to the things of this world. I'm going to give my one and only self to God. I'm going to accept him for all that he is. And I know that what I'm going to do will be pleasing and acceptable to him. And Paul says, don't stay in the trap. And for some of us, maybe that trap's just been a year. But for others, maybe it's been multiple years or decades even. And now's the time to change. I want to offer everything I have to God. I want a fresh start. Now, when Paul talks about this reality of life, he kind of does it in two ways. He says there's two realities. One is the reality of the world. He sees the world, and he sees the world as both good and bad. He sees the beauty of it, just like you do. But then also, he sees the struggle with it, the challenge of it, the brokenness, the pain, the war, the suffering. You see that on the news all the time. And then he says there's a second reality to this whole universe, and it is the kingdom of heaven. And then he briefly kind of explains about this. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul says this, For as I have often told you before, and now I tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. What Paul is saying here is that there are some people that have a worldview that is based on the things of the world. How can I move up the ladder? How can I do better things? How can I have all of my desires met? And what they have a tendency to do in their relational world is that they'll go from one unhealthy relationship to another to another. Or they'll actually have a tendency to be codependent with this person and that person and that person. And it goes on and on and on. And it eventually leads to a destruction of their actual destiny. And then Paul goes on and says this, their God is their stomach. Now, what does that mean? Well, in the ancient Near East, people believed that your desire was in your stomach. It's still true today, right? I mean, I don't know about you. Every time that I see this particular sign of McDonald's, I have a desire. My desire is to get a Big Mac, large fry, and a Coke. That's what I want. And in the ancient Near East, they said, that's where... Your desire was at in your stomach with food, whether it was with sex, with something else. And folks, our desires are a gift from God, but they are not to rule us or to control us. I mean, animals are controlled by their desires, but Paul says that's not the way it should be with you. And then Paul goes on to say their glory is in their shame. 
It's almost like every time that a person is making these choices that are not healthy and they get into these patterns, they actually take honor in that. They don't necessarily make any change. They don't address the problem. They don't address the pain. They don't address the root issue. They just revel in creating the same pattern. It's kind of that mindset, you know, of doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results. What's that called? Insanity. And I have a tendency and you have a tendency to do the same thing. We get into these patterns of the world and we do them over and over and we are expecting different results. And it's insane. And Paul says with these people, their mindset, the problem is, is on the earthly things on the world. But then look at what he says in verse 20. He goes on to say, but us, those who follow Christ, our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, for Paul, what he understood is that his citizenship was not here on earth. When Paul walked around with his passport, it said heaven. That's where his citizenship was. And he understood that. And he said, I want to live with the values of heaven. Why? Because the values of heaven are the values of Jesus. And what are those values? Those values are radical grace, unconditional love, incredible generosity, unbelievable forgiveness. All of those things that are in heaven, Paul said, I actually want to live there. That's where my citizenship lies because I'm a citizen there. Paul's like, because of the cross, because of what Jesus did when he died and he was buried and three days later he rose again and the gift of the Holy Spirit has been given to us to be able to walk through our life. Our citizenship is not in this world. I'm not going to allow any other voice or any other noise or any other perspective to dictate who I am and who God has called me to be. Because my citizenship is not in this world. It is actually in heaven. So I'm going to ask you a question right now that might be difficult to to, uh, deal with, but I think it will be helpful. Where did you conform in 2023? Where in your life... Did you have a tendency to give in to the outside voices, the outside noise, whatever that was? Where was it that you had a tendency to actually get pulled back into the world, to get pulled back into the patterns of this world? Where did you say, you know what, I'd actually rather like to fit in with others than to stand out for Christ? Where is it that you would conform? Well, back to Romans 12. Remember, Paul says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world. And then he goes on to say this, but be transformed by what? The renewing of my mind. The renewing of your mind. So you have a choice. Your choice is either conform or be transformed. Now, we already talked about what it means to conform. What's transformation about? Well, it's kind of like the word metamorphosis that we learned in middle school science class. This is where it goes from a little egg 
to a caterpillar, and then the caterpillar just like eats everything up and tons of food, and then he finds himself or herself in a cocoon and then literally becomes a new creation, an actual butterfly. And so when we're talking about transformation, it means this. It's to have your inside change your outside. To have the inside to change your outside. To be transformed is to allow what the Spirit of God wants to do within you. To change you in entirely new ways. To allow you to spread your wings out and to fly like the gift of a butterfly and to soar. So, where do you live most of your life? Do you try to conform and try to uh, fit in with other people? Are you choosing to be transformed, to allow your entire life to be turned around by the Spirit of God? In 2024, what are you going to claim to? What is your fresh start going to be? To stay in those old patterns that you've been in or you're choosing, no, 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 no. I want to be transformed by God's Spirit to look different than what I was before. Because what Paul is basically asking when he says this is he's saying, where is your home? Where is your home? Is your home here on earth on the things below or is your home in heaven, on the values of heaven, the things of heaven? What defines your reality? Conforming to the world or being transformed to heaven? You know, Paul says that if you're going to be transformed into the kingdom of heaven, you have to be renewed. I love that word renewed because what it basically means is a fresh start. That when we're renewed, we have a new beginning, a fresh start within us. God longs for every single one of us in this auditorium and on the stream to have a fresh start this year. God longs for you to change from unhealthy patterns to healthy patterns. But the temptation is to believe in the lies, to keep the secrets, to keep on hiding, to hold on to the fears of the past, those old stories that have written you before to keep with that. And Paul is saying, do not let the old story win. Some of you have been living in that old story for way too long. You need a fresh start to create a new story in your life. God isn't done with you yet. Just like we sang earlier today, he has good plans for you, good plans for your future. But will you allow God to help you to renew your mind? I read an interesting study lately about the mind and the brain that just kind of blew my mind. And uh, it was all about that they took a group of people who were far from God, people who were very disconnected from God. God wasn't on the radar. And they did some brain scans at the beginning of the study. And what they found is that there was actually a place in the brain that was not growing. In fact, in some of these people, they actually found that there was some disease that had happened in the brain. And so what they decided to do was they took this group of people and they put some ancient practices in their lives. They introduced it to them. They had them actually starting, when I say ancient, what I mean is they had them start to pray and to meditate. 
They had some researchers that would read scripture to them and they would read this over and over again. And they did this for months upon months upon months. And at the end of that time, they did some more brain scans. And what they actually found is that that part of the brain that had been diseased in some way actually started to grow. And they were amazed by it because the only thing that was different was this fresh start that they had done with these ancient practices. And there was new growth and there was new life and there was peace, not just within their personality, but they could see it actually in their brain. You know, I think Paul understood this powerfully and that's why when he writes, he writes to them, don't be conformed, but be transformed. Do some things regularly that will fill your mind to renew it through scripture reading, through prayer, through other things that it will change. It will give you a fresh start of something new in your life and you'll begin to be able to see the beauty of what heaven will be like. Now, What was the percentage of people that didn't make it to the end of the year when it comes to Americans and New Year's resolutions? What was it? How many? Only 9%. And I think the reason why only 9% of us ever make it to the end is because we're creating resolutions based on the world. And I think when you base your resolutions on the world, eventually the number one phrase in the world will hit you. And this is the phrase, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. I can't lose weight. I can't get my finances together. I can't have wholeness in this relationship. I can't read my Bible. I can't pray. Basically what they're saying is I can't change. And that is when we base the resolution on this world. But here's the truth, folks. That phrase, I can't, is not a part of heaven. Do you think there are a lot of people up in heaven right now going, I can't, I just can't, I can't. Well, no, 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 I can't, no. Because if you actually believe what it means to be a citizen of heaven, you finally start realizing, even while you're still here on earth, that because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, and they rose again three days later, that he is for me, that he's with me, he has great things in store, and the same power that was in him is given to us, and we're accessible to it as well. You see, this is just what I believe, that when it comes to Jesus' language, I can't is not a part of it. Now, you might say, I don't want to lose weight. I don't want to exercise. I don't want to read my Bible. I don't want to pray. That's fine. Um, That's truth telling. I don't want to do those things sometimes. That's truth telling. But I can't is an excuse. I can't is being able to to tell yourself that I'm just going to conform to something else because I can't do it. And I can't isn't part of being a citizen of heaven. Now, just real quick, uh, kind of rapid fire style, I'm going to give you some practical things that you could do when it comes to this whole idea of 2024 and having a fresh start. Now, the first thing is this. If you want to have a fresh start, you've got to have a stretch goal. You develop an actual stretch goal. Now, what do I mean when I say a stretch goal? You stretch yourself. 
Now, you don't stretch yourself so far out to where you'll never be able to do it, but you make it stupidly small. You make it so small that you would say to yourself, I can't even believe that I even put that down because anyone could do that. So for me, my stretch goal this year is to memorize one scripture verse per week. Just one verse per week. Now, uh, there was a time in my life that I did that regularly and that was the time that I was closest to God. I was renewing my mind regularly. And then I got out of it because I was like, oh, that's so easy. I'm just not going to do it. It's, it's no, 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 no. It's not easy, but it's stupidly small that I could actually do it. So the beginning of this year, I, I made that commitment. My first week was Jeremiah 31.3, which says this. God says, I have not quit loving you and I never will. Expect love, love, and more love. Man, I put that in my head that first week, and I was like, wow, I'm loved. This next week, Acts 20, verse 35, it says this, it is more blessed to give than receive. What if you had that in your mind for the whole year? It's more blessed to give than receive. I'll tell you what, my marriage would be a lot better. My parenting would be a lot better. Everything within me would be better if I actually did that. So you take a stretch goal that is stupidly small. Again, you can hold me accountable to this this year. Second, keep it simple. Keep it simple. Dreaming is important, and it's important to dream big, but your goal should be stupidly small. For example, I didn't say, I'm going to read the entire Bible in a year. I would kill myself if I did that. I mean, it's not a bad thing to do, but I wanted to do something smaller. I could say, I'm going to memorize the scripture every single day. 365 scriptures. No, 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 no. That's too much. I'm going to make it stupidly small. One scripture per week. So you develop a stretch goal. You keep it simple. And then finally, be specific. Be very, very specific. If you're trying to lose weight, you don't just say, hey, I'm going to lose some weight this year. No, you give yourself a stupidly small goal. You know what your goal might be? This month, I'm going to lose one pound. That's it. One pound. Now, what am I going to do to help with that? I'm going to actually walk from my house to the end of my driveway each day, and that'll be small. And then I'm going to give up Doritos the second hand. I'm only going to take one handful rather than two. And all of a sudden you're like, well, that seems so simple. No, no, no. You do that over time. And at the end of the year, you won't say, oh, it was just one pound a month. No, it was 12 pounds that you did over that time. So what about you? When it comes to you, what is going to be your stretch goal? Something that is very, very, very small that you can do. What is that thing that you could be about? Is it a spiritual goal? Is it a fitness goal? Is it a financial goal? Is it a relational goal? What is that thing that you're going to go after? Today, I'm giving you an invitation for everyone to lean into not the things of the world, but to the things of God, to be transformed by that. So where do you need a fresh start in your life going into 2024. Well, let me give you a few ideas of what this could be like. Maybe for some of you, you'd say, I want to get better at investing some time with my family. 
So one hour a week, we're actually going to hang out together and play a board game. That's your thing. It might be if you're married, it might be a date night once a month. It might be spending quality time with your kids in some way. Maybe for others of you, it's like my finances. It's insane. I keep doing the same thing over and over again, and there's nothing different. Well, I'm going to reduce debt. How am I going to do that? I'm going to take one small thing and I'm going to work on it. I'm going to get an emergency fund. I'm going to actually be a part of financial peace. Maybe for others of you, your stretch goal is in your faith. For me, it's this one verse. I'm doing some other things. But for you, maybe it's like, no, I'm going to read the Bible. I'm actually going to give 15 minutes early in the morning to do that and to read that. Or I'm going to take five minutes at the end of my day and I'm going to pray. Or I'm going to actually start giving financially, tithing to the church. Whatever it is that God's calling you to do, take a stupidly small stretch goal and get a fresh start this year and go for it. Now, I believe that as I've been praying over the past couple of weeks that God is calling all of us as a church to take a risk. And the risk that I'm challenging us to take is to invest in one person who's disconnected from Christ or the church. You might remember last year, our large goal is that we want to be a church of 500 in five years. And many of you went ahead and took big risk on that. And we've actually grown this year by 22%. 22% growth in our attendance because many of you chose to say, I'm going to invest in that. Now, you might remember our strategy last year, though, was stupidly small. It was very, very small. We simply took a post-it note, asked people to write down the name of one person who's disconnected from Christ or the church, and then to pray for them to connect and invite. Well, there was a guy in our church by the name of Aaron who wrote down his brother-in-law's name, Clint. And Clint was 34 years old, a good guy, a good family guy, but he was far from God. God was not on the radar at all. So Aaron put down his name on a post-it note and he just started praying for him daily. And he got his wife, Chelsea, to start praying as well. And as a staff, we took all of these post-it notes, we put them up in our conference room, and we committed to praying for every single one of those names per month by name. And so that's what we've done. And one of those names included Clint. Well, last year, Clint was diagnosed with cancer. And during that time, both Aaron and Chelsea started praying for him, 34 years old, diagnosed with stage four cancer and started praying for him and praying for him until finally they got up the guts to invite him to church. Now, at first he was very, very reluctant to church because he said, what I see on TV, I don't want to be a part of that. And they're like, oh no, it's different. We promise. And he said, no, I'm not going to do it. And so they upped the ante. They said, if you'll go with us, we'll buy you anything from Starbucks that you want. And at least there'll be caffeine to where if you get, you know, bored with something, at least you have good caffeine coffee in you. And finally, Clint was like, I'll try it. And the first time that he walked in this church, everything was brand new to him. It was his fresh start. He had no idea about the music. He actually thought Caleb wrote every single song and it was all of his music. He had no idea. 
He's like, why is that guy even here if he can write all these songs? Like he should be touring somewhere. And then he told him this. He said, You're, uh, that guy that's standing up there, um, he's not so annoying. And now some of you might have a different thought of whether or not I'm annoying or not. But Clint thought, no, he's not. And so day after day, or I mean each Sunday, Sunday after Sunday, month after month, Clint came. And he did this for several months. And he finally committed his life to Christ. Well, his cancer got more aggressive, and six weeks ago, I officiated at his funeral. When I sat down with Aaron and Chelsea on that day, it was so difficult, and there were so many tears, and it was hard to get any stories even about Clint because the pain was so great, only 34 years old. And in the midst of all of that, uh, the pain was great, And Chelsea looked away and she was crying. And when she looked away, she looked up on the board and she looked and she said, that's my brother's name. And Aaron looked and he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wrote that down at the beginning of the year. And then Chelsea walked up and she looked at me and I pulled that post-it note off the wall. And it was the first time of the entire time that she smiled. And I said, here, you can have it. And she goes, no, 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 no. No, I don't want it to be messed up. I was like, no, no, no. You have this. This might be the greatest treasure you've ever had. And she said, I know he's in heaven now. I know he lives for something greater. And it was all because the two of them chose not to conform, but to be transformed. And to see that transformation happen to Clint's life. And that one day, they'll see him again. So right now, this is where the rubber meets the road. I'm asking you to think about one person who's disconnected from Christ or the church. And that you would start praying and connecting and maybe inviting them to come. And literally, folks, this can have life and death actual results. And you could have a fresh start and the person you're praying for could have a fresh start in their life. And you want to pick somebody that you connect with regularly. I mean, the reality is you might have an Uncle Claude who lives in South Dakota and he's close to going to hell because he's mean, nasty, ugly. But the truth is, folks, somebody in South Dakota can pray for him. But who's the person that you weekly connect with that you could invest in? A coworker, a neighbor, somebody else. So in your program, there is a post-it note that looks like this. And for those of you on the stream, you can do it on the app. If you're like, I didn't get a program, there's actually uh, post-it notes that are up here uh, in front for this and also up in the balcony. And there's markers, there's pens. You don't have to worry about that. But I'd like you to think about who is that person that God might be calling you to invest in. That we're thinking not only a fresh start for ourselves this year, but we're going to start praying for a fresh start for someone who might be very far from God, but their eternity could be changed just like it was for Clint. 
Folks, what Aaron and Chelsea decided was that they weren't going to conform to the things of the world and only think spiritually about themselves, but they were going to be transformed by the Spirit. And as they did that, even though the cancer took Clint's life, it did not take his soul. And he was transformed for all of eternity because of that. So right now, what I'd like you to do is to pull out your post-it note. Who's the name of the person that God's calling you to invite, to invest in this year? And then whenever you feel comfortable to come to this board or that one or up in the balcony and to put it down, to just post it on there. Everybody got it? Maybe it's a family member, a friend, coworker, whoever it is that you would do that. And I'll be the first one to do mine right now.